0: I coach kids soccer, and I have for a few years now. I love my teams, and for the most part, love my parents. They're all piled along the sidelines, screaming and cheering for their kids. Last season, when I was starting it out, I had more than a few parents who assured me they just didn't understand the game. I often hear parents, who are now on the far sideline from me, instructing their kids to do the wrong technique or skill. They are missing a vital element of the sport, and it keeps them from enjoying sports at a higher level. First off, know this. Your kids love soccer, and it may be the number one best sport for kids. You kids get out there and run after the ball for an hour. Yeah, that'll tire you out. The way I coach, we just don't practice a lot. My players are all in multiple sports and extra activities and my wife and I have decided that more is not better. So be a kid, try it all. But because of this, I have to teach my kids a little bit different. I have to coach them to hack the game because understanding accelerates learning, and we just don't have three or four times a week to be out on the field. So a little bit of understanding speeds up the advancement of the kids' skills and enjoyment of a beautiful game, and soccer is actually known as the beautiful game. But too many times this enjoyment is handicapped by a misunderstanding of the sport itself. Then add to it hyper-excited parents who are wearing parent goggles sure that their kids just aren't getting a fair shake at life. This leads to terrible advice from the sidelines, a confused look on the kid's face, and way too many prematurely balding coaches throwing clipboards. This is not unique to soccer. My kids also play basketball, baseball, softball, football, they surf, they do Ninja Warrior stuff, they run cross country, plus a hundred other things. And I'm even guilty of being that dad that will sometimes, in the heat of excitement, shout out, go, at the exact time he should have stopped while I'm out there cheering for my kid. The problem is, there are often times in sports where go is a terrible idea and sabotages the entire plan. So leave it to me to fix this issue for you just like I do all my other team sports. I do this for parents every single fall and every spring. We are going to start out with the Soccer Handbook for Parents. Making better soccer parents is my number two bolded headline at the beginning of each season. I grew up a coach's kid, and I'm a long-time sports practitioner. Nothing is more embarrassing and sad than the sports mom that doesn't have a clue as to what her kids have been doing for the last nine years. So don't be that mom that stands up, claps and cheers, and then whispers to the person on her left, Hey, what just happened? And don't be that dad that says, You know, back in junior high, we played soccer for a week in PE. Here's what I think they should do concept number one soccer really is one of the easiest sports in the world to understand at the completion of today's episode you can no longer say you know I just don't understand soccer I don't get it here's how it works the rules go like this when the ball goes in a goal it's a point that's all there it is the entire article you guys are done finished you can go straight forward and get on with your day okay well, there's also this. The team in blue goes this way and the team in red goes that way. If the ball goes out of bounds, you throw it in. Now, here's where it gets a little crazy. So stay with me here, because concept number two is this. There are positions. Now, this isn't unique. In fact, every team sport I can think of has positions. And I'm not so sure why this is so difficult for soccer parents, but it's the most obvious mistake I see while watching parents when I should be watching their kids. You see, some players should be trying to move the ball towards the opponent's goal and score, and then there are also positions that are set up to keep the other team from scoring. And then there's these third positions, specifically kind of an in-between, like a do-it-all. They kind of play the forward sometimes, sometimes they play the back. They help out on defense and they just sort of figure it out. There's one last position, there's the goalie. It's the only person on the field that can use their hands. They're given an extra advantage to try to keep the ball out of the goal and as in most sports they can collectively be broken down into offense and defense with the in-between guy being midfield so please quit telling your kid to take the ball and score when that's not his position i tell my eight-year-olds all the time there are two ways to win at soccer one is score more goals two just don't let the other team score and both are equally important Let me share a concept that helped clear this up this season, especially for the parents, because we know football here in the United States, and I'm in Texas, so we're going to start with that. I'm going to use the NFL elite when I talk about football and start making comparisons. The kids like this analogy is football's big time down here. They just got it and they all laughed, and the parents on the sidelines kind of nodded with a light bulb above the head Eureka moment of comprehension. Here we go. For instance. Are you aware that superstar Tom Brady doesn't actually catch most of his own touchdowns? Yeah, it's true. And yet, despite only having two or three catches for touchdowns in his entire lifetime, he is still quite famous and financially stable. It seems the majority of what has made him the most popular athlete in history on the planet is his ability to pass the ball, to see the entire field and pass it where it should go. In soccer, it's the same thing. The ability to pass is such an undertaught, underappreciated, and often neglected skill, especially in a youth game. You don't hear people saying pass. You hear them saying, get it to that kid. He can take it and score. It's not because coaches don't know. It's because parents don't know. So it's not getting reiterated on the drive home. You're not trying to sabotage the game. You're just looking at it wrong. Nobody argues that Tom Brady doesn't score the touchdown, right? Well, I mean, we know he didn't catch it, but he still scored it. And that's where Americans get it wrong. Have you ever told your kids you'll give them $5 if they make a goal? I tell my players, you know what? Tell your parents you'll take 3 bucks every time you score. Kid, you're going to make a lot more cash. I still hear my parents often shout, Take the ball and score! And all kinds of, shoot it, shoot it! Despite being on the wrong part of the field, and no matter how many opponents are going directly at them or guarding them. I mean, kicking the ball into the other team's wall of shins hardly ever works, even in the little kids' games. But man, do we all get excited when it gets close to that goal. But hardly ever do I hear shouts of, why don't you pull it out, pass it to that poor kid standing all alone in front of the goal the size of a garage door that has an upwards of 99% chance of scoring even if he totally whiffs and the ball just bounces off any body part. But that's what we say as coaches, that's what we see as coaches all the time. And that's what the elite, the college players, the pros, that's what they do. They run plays and set up higher percentage, better opportunities. And if you get this concept down, this passing wins every single game ever concept as a parent or youngster, you immediately move up into the upper echelon. Passing made Tom Brady. It can make your kid too. And I see an insanely high amount of time spent coaching ball handling and moving skills and dribbling around cones and TikToks and all these things and there's cool youtube videos of freestyle soccer with kids with exceptional tricks and foot skills but I don't see much time just spent watching the game learning the game playing the odds kids are like labs man they're all gonna run after the ball and if seven players are running after you because you have the ball Good job, kid, you did a great job. That means someone else is left unguarded. Directly over there. Just get the ball to her. Typically, at the end of the year, many coaches have a kind of awards banquet party. You guys have been to them or you're going to. The kid that scores the most goals at the end of the year traditionally wins a prize called the golden boot. But that kid's not typically the best player. That's the one that scored the most. Nope. The best player is the kid that gets the guy with the golden boot the ball. That player is typically called the MVP. Concept number three, soccer is not boring because it is low scoring. I mean, soccer's tough, man. There's a goalie right there that can use his hands. To get a goal, it's unbelievable. But there is so much more beauty and skill happening outside of the goals being scored. Look, as American football fans, we go nuts when a huge pass goes out and a receiver jumps 11 feet in the air and makes a one-headed catch, even when it wasn't for a touchdown, but let's say like a five-yard gain. We go insane and spill our chicken wings all over us when a team sacks the quarterback for a 10-yard loss or even a game-winning pass breakup, yet there was no score change. Basketball has something like that too. It's got us no look behind the back passes and defensive blocks. Pow! Baseball has gravity-defined diving catches for foul balls, or a stolen third base, where people spill beer across the stands, hockey enjoys monster checks into the boards, and a goalie that is so fast you missed him moving. These are all equally crazy exciting. But yet in every example I just gave you, the score doesn't change at all. Heck, my kids scream like it's a 4th of July if they get a plastic water bottle to flip in the air and land on its cap like Dude Perfect. did you see it did you see it soccer has the exact same thing happening it's got ankle breaker moves it's got fake out passes it's got stop and goes long bombs it's got step overs and scissors it leaves defenders scrambling like the chicago fire and the goalie quite possibly peeing in his pants a little bit he's so scared add to that the oldie but goodie offense wins games but defense wins championships it's all right there happening yet as soccer watchers from america we miss it. It's like it's nothing if it's not a goal. Ah, man, I don't know about soccer. Just kind of boring. Oh, come on! Get a little false enthusiasm up in there and get excited already. Make your kids want to try stop and goes, or step overs, or scissors, or fake shots as a fan stand up in slow motion replay excitement when a huge arcing pass goes high in the air with a huge curvy bend and your little girl catches the ball with her foot her freaking foot man like odell with a sticky glove because that's excitement and it's up to you to create it and feel it because the rest of the world does I'm 100% sure that most of my parents look at each other with confused eyes when, as a coach, I lose my mind in excitement and cheer and I run down the sidelines when one of my kids does some cool soccer concept, like a backwards pass or a one-two. It's like a give-and-go in basketball, even when it doesn't score, because that means they are developing, they are learning, they are creating. I love it when my defense absolutely shuts the other team down. I have a pizza party at my house if our team doesn't allow a shot against them. And that's happened multiple times. Can you imagine in basketball if the opposing team took zero shots? That's not boring. Let me just make soccer super exciting and easy for you right now. Soccer is virtually identical to basketball. It's just got a much bigger field with more players. So let's work on this for a little bit. Take, for instance, a negative pass. This is where players pass the ball backwards to a teammate because there's no good options available where they are. This is a considerable development for American kids. It's a challenging concept, especially for American parents. They start screaming, wrong way, wrong way. Look, my friend Joe Casey relates that when he started reffing, the team would drop a ball back and parents would inevitably start screaming, no, no, you're going the wrong way. It's not. In essence, it's no different than a center in basketball passing the ball back outside to a guard at the three-point line because the inside's congested. It's simply a reset. Hey guys, let's take another look at the field with less pressure and work our way in again. These new techniques and developments are what's fun about the game. It's the same as a no-look pass in hoops or a sack in football. It is the cool part of the game. It takes a lifetime to get down and even the world's best pros will never fully master it. And hey, speaking of basketball, let me just get this out there. If you know hoops, you know soccer. And if you don't, I have the basketball cheat sheet for hoops too, you can go look at it. It's right on this podcast. We already spoke about the negative pass, but I'm telling you, almost everything in these two sports match. It's nearly an identical sport. And this concept, when I coach this, This helps the parents and the kids get it. You bring the ball down the court. Sometimes it's slow and controlled with one main guy taking his time. They're gonna run predetermined plays and positions might change or flip to the other side of the field based on that play. But sometimes it's fast break, big passes down the sideline, trying to catch the opposing team being lazy or caught out of position. In both sports, the main play is to kind of attack from the outside to the inside. Where the biggest, tallest kid in hoops or the most skilled kid in the middle with development, he'll put the ball into the goal. But occasionally, you might pass it in from the top of the key to the inside. You have to work your way in there. To get there, you might have to run screens, run two to three passes, pick and rolls, give and goes. It's the same in both sports. Sometimes you're gonna set up on the outside and pop that long range ball. It's a 40 foot shot in soccer, it's amazing. That's like a three pointer in hoops. The big mistake that I see in youth soccer happens in front of the goal. It just gets too crowded and congested there. We all get excited when that ball gets close to the goal and the kids are no exception. My wife literally has 100 pictures of five of our team's kids lined up in front of the other team goal with 70 of the other team's kids defending it right in front of there trying to keep it out. Every parent and coach is screaming, kick it in, kick it in, kick it out, kick it out, get it out of there. And literally three quarters of all the players from both teams are standing so close together I could put a hula hoop around them. It's like basketball. Last night I was watching the NBA and I heard the announcers point out the same concept. Hey Dick, there's six players in the paint. That equals no baskets. Man, Bill, that was ugly. It's too congested in the paint. These players are pros. They need to take it out and reset it. They should be better than this. It's really similar. It's the same concepts. In the younger kids game, there are fewer three pointers and long balls because their skills haven't gotten to that point yet. So yeah, the stuff you see on TV might not work in the kids games. That's no different than little kids trying to shoot three pointers. It's literally a 1% shot there. In both sports, actually in most sports, especially during the younger years, it's often the best kid on the team taking it all and doing it all on his own. We all see that, get the ball to Johnny, he can do more with it. The trouble is, I hate coaching that way because everyone has that. Some kids are just a bit more developed and they're more into the game. On my kid's basketball team, we have that, there's that one kid that's a standout, he scores half the team's points. So I get it, yeah, I mean, as I coach, get the kid the ball, but by no means think that is how we want to coach it or view it, especially as I continue to develop and get older and obtain more skills. At first, just getting a kid to even pass the ball when the other team's running to press is a huge accomplishment. And in soccer, it's always a press. The ability to dribble with both feet, to look up, and then develop a strategy on the fly that happens, that takes experience and time. These concepts move forward in all sports. But by high school, man, you're gonna see some awesome stuff. Some quick one, two, three passing, long bombs, and some kids ripping the ball if they're left unguarded. If you know hoops, you know soccer. See, I told you the sport was easy. My last and final comment, and this is where the fun starts. Soccer has a secret code. Because the powerhouses of soccer are not here in the good old USA, but in Europe and South America, you've got to speak the code, man. Otherwise, you don't know what's going on. Soccer coaches and... Oh God, hardcore soccer fans, they're just a little peculiar. They love the shroud of mystery and intrigue. They love more than anything else to annoy their non-soccer friends and colleagues, especially at work. And I equate this to my Mexican speaking friends, specifically you, Steve Tiarina, whom when I ask, hey man, how do you say this in Spanish? He immediately puts on a super tough accent and verbalizes in lightning speed. Oh, I'm like, Steve, what was that? I didn't catch it all. Can you slow it down just a little bit so I can get this? I'm like, that. what? Ba-ba-ba. Come on, Steve, help me out here. Just write it down. Gotta go. See ya, sucker. I'm pretty sure Steve has been making up stuff for two years. I don't even know if he speaks Spanish. Anyway, soccer fans are weird and they like it that way. Even American soccer fans take on the European soccer terminology because, well, they're soccer fans. They love to be different. So there here are a few trade secrets. Now, remember... It's primarily European. But down here in Texas, we have way more teams to learn and way more terms to learn because our connection to the Mexican Soccer League is just right over there. But this article is dragging on long enough, so let's stick to the basics. Shoes are often called boots. So tie your shoes would thus be translated in soccer. Hey kids, lace your boots. The score zero equals nil. Sidelines equal touch lines. The field is called a pitch. Refs are called officials. Teams are called clubs and tournaments are called cups. The rest of the world calls soccer, football. And that's why they have the term FC after a lot of teams names. That stands for football club. Often, there is no championship game like a Super Bowl. You just play everyone and you keep track of wins and losses and at the end of the season, the team with the best record wins. Unless, of course, they're tied in wins and losses after an entire 50-game season. And look guys, it always ends in a tie due to some crazy contract of the soccer gods of antiquity. So when it inevitably does end in a tie, you go by the tiebreaker that soccer weirdos call a goal differential. How many goals did you score versus how many did you let in? Oh, that's why the coach is so crazy about only getting beat zero to two versus zero to four. Or why your kid's team is up six to zero and the crazy coach loses his mind when he gives up a goal in the last 30 seconds. Or why the weakest kid on the team never gets a try goalie even when it's a blowout. See, it all makes sense now. It's so easy. All right, that's part one, I'm done with it. Everything I've gone over was for the parents. That's all you need to know, you're up to speed. Part two is coming soon, it's very intriguing. It gets more into how the European professionals play their seasons and how it works. Why is one guy on four teams? Part two is about the game, but part one's there. You're up to speed, you know this now.